Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I am your host, Doris Hansen, and this is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we hope that you enjoy our show tonight. Um, it's fun to do a show that we have planned for this evening, and that's because our guests are the Adams Road Band. They come to Utah each year, and they come to share their story of Jesus and their love for them for anyone and to anyone who will listen. And we're privileged to be able to have them on our show every time they come to town. These young men are former Mormons. Some of them are former Mormon missionaries, and they discovered biblical truths and committed their lives to Jesus instead of to a church. And they tell their stories in music and in testimony, in person, on CDs, and on shows like this one. And I'd like to say to our polygamous viewers tonight that although sometimes our guests are from the mainline Mormon church, and we do discuss LDS doctrinal issues or behavior, we're not excluding the fundamentalists because they believe the same things. Joseph Smith is the author of the Book of Mormon. He's the author of Mormonism, and he's the author of polygamy. And the entire belief system was started by Joseph Smith, and so it is relevant to Mormons as well as polygamous viewers. And of course, we urge you as always to build your eternal home on the rock of Jesus Christ rather than on a shifty and shifting sands of a mere man. And that said, I would like to introduce the Adams Road Band and welcome you all to the show again. And I would like each of you, if you will, introduce yourselves. <laughs> My name is Micah. I'm Joseph. I'm Jay. And I'm Matt. And, and you comprise the Adams Road Band. And you, you're traveling through the state right now. You're traveling through the West. Mm -hmm. uh, where would, would, where are you going? What's your itinerary for this time? Well, we're here in Utah just for a few more days. Um, and then we're heading off to uh, Idaho for a few weeks and then Oregon and Washington. Wow. And then uh, in August, we get to go home and spend some time with our families and children and wives. And then we actually are going to come back out to the West Coast, to California and the Southwest. So. Oh, where's your next um, um, showing? When are you going to play again? Uh, tomorrow night, actually. Tomorrow night, we're going to be at Lifeline Community Church in okay. West Jordan. Lifeline mm -hmm. Community Church in, in West Jordan. Um, is, do you have a website? Do you have uh, something that you could tell our viewers to go to to find out your schedule and, and the places that you'll be playing next? Yeah, it's uh, adamsroadband.com. Okay, and they can go there and... and is that your new D CD there? Yeah, yeah, it's called Resurrected. Um, it's our sixth album, and it's it's the best of Adam's Road because we took the, the first five and, um, you know, just what we felt like uh, were the most biblical and um, and just our favorite and, and also the fans' favorites um, uh -huh. and just put it on one CD. So And, and, and our, all of our music is free, by the way. Well, and they're free. You don't charge a dime for them. Nope. Right, nope. okay. And where could they get a CD if they're not able to go to your uh, one of your performances? Um, right on the website, you can just download them for free and uh, just just uh, write to your you know iTunes or whatever. So free download. And, and if they want to give somebody a gift, they can send them. You'd mail them to yep. them to yep. them as well. For free as well. Okay, yep. great. Anything else you want to say about your ministry or or your missions that you're working on? Anybody? Before we get to our questions. <laughs> 
We just encourage anyone, you know, who has friends or family in the LDS Church, you know, to check out our ministry. Go to adamsroadband.com and, um, you know, there's a lot of great resources and we love the LDS people. Uh, we love anybody who does not know Jesus and we try to reach out to them with the message of the gospel. And that's really where our heart is, is taking the Word of God, putting it into music, ministering it in song and testimony and just sharing with them the good news of Jesus Christ because that's what changed our lives. That's what changes our lives and it, yeah. the Word of God has the power to do that. Amen. Okay, uh, let's start with the first question. I'd like a couple of you to answer. In your experience with the band, what has been the most exciting or, and, and God-blessed experience or event that you've had as a group on the road with the band and one that you knew that God was involved with the experience? Well, for me, uh, one of the exciting things that happened recently, last fall we met someone in Arizona. We, we were invited to a, a kind of a testimony meeting, a small group at someone's home who had recently come out of Mormonism and wanted us to come share our stories with some people and friends they had invited. And one of the friends that they had invited was somebody who was still in Mormonism was at that point where he was starting to question. And so we, we started a relationship with him through that experience of getting to share uh, how God had uh, changed our lives through the power of the Word of God. And then over the course of the next nine months, uh, we've been able to correspond with this person. And he eventually flew out to Florida uh, this past spring so he could spend some more time with the ministry and, and just pick up pick our brains and our perspective and stuff and just continued to point him to the Word of God and the, and the grace that's in Jesus Christ, and he gave his life to the Lord. Whoa, so we, we just give God all the glory, and it's really exciting to see, see fruit from, awesome. from all the seeds we plant over the years. That so. is so mm -hmm. awesome, and clear across the country. Yeah. yeah. Across the country, and it's yeah. still, wow, praise God. Anything else, anybody? Yeah, um, yeah uh, actually, uh, it was a few years back, but in South Florida, um, there was uh, there was this church and this this lady. Well, actually, we, we ate dinner with the pastor afterward, um, and he, in tears, he started telling us this story of um, that in the middle of, of our show, we, we played the song "I Would Die for You," which is which is like Jesus's perspective from the cross, singing to us and telling us of his love. And um, in the middle of that song, there was kind of a commotion in the back of of the of the room and we just didn't know what had happened and stuff so anyway the pastor was telling us that what happened was there was a lady that was you know elderly lady and she'd been in the church for like 35 years and held like um you know positions in the church and stuff and she came to the pastor and said i get it Whoa. like she finally got she it fi so just opened it was her. just amazing you know that that the message is universal and even somebody growing up in a christian church and then they come to that realization of jesus's love for them uh-huh so. Uh, would you say that God is at work? Can you tell, can you, can you uh, experience God every day in your work and in your mm -hmm. ministry? Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there's no doubt that the power of God is at work in, in your lives. That amazed me when I found out that God works in, in the lives of people I, uh, that I wouldn't have dreamed that He would be working in. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if He can work in mine, of course, He can work in anybody's life. So. <laughs> Would you, a couple of you exp uh, explain, especially to the young people who might be watching the show, why polygamy could not be a practice that God commands or condones? And um, if, if any of you who are married that want to share how you and your wife got to write your own love story. And I say this because the polygamists don't get to. They don't get to date and woo and propose like other people do. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start by just saying this, Doris. Um, 
one of the uh, chapters in Deuteronomy really caught my attention uh, that I had never realized before. And in Deuteronomy 17, it's talking about laws concerning Israel's kings. And uh, the Lord uh, warns, he says, speaking of the kings, and he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Mm. So we see from the beginning, early on, God was, was not only, um, not just not silent on the matter, but he was openly speaking against them taking many wives, especially the king, Absolutely. because it would turn his heart away. And then we can see in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, in First Timothy, for example, I believe chapter 3, verse 2, uh, if you're going to be an overseer or a leader in the Christian church, um, it's a requirement that you be a man, husband of only one wife. Mm -hmm. And so from, from God's word, it, it's pretty clear to me that um, uh, the marriage relationship is something very special and it represents our, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, mm -hmm. How you know, the word says that we should love our wife you know, each one love his own wife as Christ has loved the church. Absolutely. And so um, for me, it's been really neat. I'm so grateful I've had that opportunity to be able to write my own love story in that sense and that um, I got to date and meet a wonderful woman uh, that the Lord's blessed me with. Um, I met her the first date we went on. We were bowling and I got a 7-10 split. And then she said, well, um, if you do it again, uh, and I said, no, I want to get a strike, and I did a 7-10 split again and split my pants, ironically. But this is one of those funny <laughs> stories that, that I can always hold on to and that yeah. we can treasure. But, but now we have a wonderful girl, and, and we're a unit. We're a family in Christ Jesus. And, and she doesn't have to worry about you going to somebody else's home to spend the night in right. somebody else's arms because, God, you're, because your God says so. Yeah. Yeah, she knows mm -hmm. that, that she's got you to herself. Yeah. And that's the way it is. Love, love is supposed to be selfish. It's mm -hmm. sure between two people. Yeah. Did someone else? Yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, something that stood out to me was uh, in Matthew 19, uh, where Jesus says, uh, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. One wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Doesn't say wives. <laughs> and they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Um, and uh, like in my case... <laughs> Um, the, uh, the viewers that don't know, uh, Micah and Matt's sister uh, became a Christian and left Mormonism, and then um, and then I married her. So oh, okay. uh, they might not have been happy about that, but I was. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, and and we. Um, and the cool thing was that because uh, she was had the same background and, and was coming out of Mormonism and just finally um, experiencing God, um, the God of the Bible and was so new in this personal relationship with Jesus, just as I was, we had that in common and actually fell in love um, through our love for Jesus. And so mm. um, it was just a huge blessing uh, that our marriage was based on our love for Jesus. And uh, I always loved chick flicks and stuff. And so, in fact, when we got married, I brought more into the marriage than she did, <laughs> embarrassingly. But, but, um, but, you know, but it was cool because it, it made those, you know, those love stories actually become real for us. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I tried to love her and cherish her, like, like Matt said, like Christ loves the church. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And again, uh, you were active, you and your wife both were active in writing your own love story, writing yeah. your own um, the courtship and, right. and decision to get married. And mm -hmm. Somebody else didn't have to tell you to love her or, or tell, tell you you had to marry her or vice versa. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. Anybody else have anything they want to share with that? Okay, the next question. Every day there are people in polygamy groups and the Mormon church who are thinking of leaving. And they want to leave, but they're extremely feel, fearful 
of doing so for various reasons, and I think you all can relate to that. A couple of you, would you take a few minutes each to say something directly to that person tonight? Yeah, um, I can definitely relate, you know, to people who have that fear of leaving uh, something that they've held on to their whole lives. In fact, I was actually a Mormon missionary uh, when I came to the Lord Jesus Christ and when He drew me to Himself. And it was a terribly frightening uh, time of my life to have to face the prospect of losing everything that I knew and everything that I loved, which included my relationships with family members and my girlfriend and my scholarships to Brigham Young University and uh, just everything in my, I knew in my life was at stake for following Jesus. And um, that was a tough decision to make, and it was not upon my own strength uh, that I was able to do that. But something that really uh, helped me uh, was the scripture in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, and it says that anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. And it was just that realization of understanding that you know, gaining Jesus Christ was far worth, you know, the cost of whatever I could lose to become his disciple. And just knowing that everything else in my life became lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. In John 6, uh, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger and whoever believes in me will never thirst. And, and that was the satisfaction I got from coming to Jesus Christ and knowing Him in a personal and intimate way. And like we were just talking about in Joseph and Matt, you know, that intimacy that we have with our wives is the intimacy that we have with Jesus Christ, you know, as His church and as His bride and coming to know Him. And He is able to fill us in a way that nothing else in the world can. And I just, you know, promise you that if you make that leap of faith, if you take that step and follow Jesus Christ, you may lose everything that you have, but you will gain something that is far greater, and that is Jesus Christ. And it's eternal satisfaction. He says, when, when you come to me, that rivers of living waters will flow from within. Would you say that's true of, of your experience? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. and, and what is that, rivers of living water? What is that, what he's referring to? It's the Word of God, and it's the satisfaction and the peace and the hope and the understanding that Jesus Christ has saved me and that I'm not doing it, it's what He's done for me. And having that assurance of eternal life and that knowledge that I am saved and I am forgiven uh, through His blood. And it's just, it's the most amazing mm -hmm. feeling in the world. Nothing. Absolutely it is. Yeah. And you find out that whatever you were grasping for in life before is it's complete in Christ. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not looking for any of that anymore. Did mm -hmm. somebody else have one to share? Yeah, sure. And um, yeah, and relating to that, I mean, um, I actually, personally, I, I had problems with drugs and alcohol addiction, and I had to give up all of that. And then I got embroiled in the Mormon church after that. And um, so twice in my life, I've realized that I really had to give up everything um, to, um, to follow the true God, you know, and to find real peace that, can, that only... Jesus Christ can bring to us and mm -hmm. um, you know and and you really it's all or nothing you know and and you, you realize that it, it really is an all-or-nothing thing it's Jesus or nothing and it's like it says in John eight thirty six that um, so if the Son sets you free you'll be you will be free indeed mm -hmm. and um, you know the world it's a scary prospect that you have to give up everything and you have to be willing to sacrifice it all um, for to be set free but um, but Jesus you know he, he is good for his promise. And it's like that story in, in Matthew 14 um, where um, Peter sets out on that sea that is um, that stormy sea. And, um, and Jesus you know, is there to hold his hand, though, and he believes, but he doubts. 
and you know he sinks. Um, so we can't be doubtful when we when we um, take Jesus' hand, when we when we grasp His hand. We mm -hmm. have to realize that you know He's good to save us, mm -hmm. and um, He's good to His promises. Yeah, um, and he was right there immediately to help him, wasn't he? He didn't mm -hmm, let him drown. Mm -hmm, he was mm -hmm. immediately, it says, yeah. Jesus was there to help. So yeah, we and, can depend on Jesus to help. And related to that, um, you know, for, for comfort um, in, uh, in, in God, you know, Romans 8, 30, um, 38 and 39 says, for I, am, um, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor um, um, neither nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, um, you know, it, our salvation doesn't come from man. It just comes from, from that, uh, that love of God that we feel through, through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we can, um, we can take comfort in that in all of our trials. Right. So if somebody's thinking of leaving tonight, you would heartily say, take a step of faith yeah. and trust Jesus. Don't trust a church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the church can't do... Um, a high percentage of folks who leave the Mormon church or polygamy groups also reject God completely. And it kind of goes in with what we've just talked about. They'll walk away because they've had nothing but uh, negative experiences or it was a negative experience that caused them to want to leave anyway. Uh, will you say something to them, those who have rejected God, maybe walked away already, but they've rejected God completely, and help them understand why they should seek the true God that he's not the same God as the one they were raised to believe in, that to know him is to love him. Yeah, well, possibly, you know, maybe some, some, some people reject the God that they knew because that God was not the biblical God. And uh, the one true God as revealed in the Bible, there's some really neat things about him. We learn in James that all good things come from, from above, from mm -hmm. God, and that he, he doesn't tempt anyone. He doesn't do evil, but only good. And uh, we also learn that there's no variation of change with God. Mm -hmm. um, that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, that God cannot lie. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us God can never lie. And so when we start learning about this God and, and, and the promises in His Word, we find an amazing, incredible God who loves us. Um, Daniel chapter 4 verse 37 says that God, all His ways are right, mm -hmm. and He only does that which is just. Mm -hmm. And so once you start to learn about this God, um, and, and you experience His love in a very real way, um, you would never want to turn your back on Him. So He's not a God with a whip and a chair trying to put you in line mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> no. and get even with you, a vindictive retribution uh, God, right? Um, somebody else want to share that. Yeah, it, just like Matt was saying, I mean, that was the big difference for me was coming to understand the God of the Bible, and I can definitively say that the God of Mormonism and fundamentalism is not the God of the Bible. It's not the Jesus of, of salvation that comes by grace. And, and the God that I come to know when I read the Bible as a, as a Mormon missionary was a God of love. You know, and this God who was uh, loving me and showing me salvation and offering me grace despite my own sin, like it says in Romans 5, that God showed His love for us and that while we were still sinners, mm -hmm. Christ Jesus died for us. And First uh, John chapter 4, 9 and 10 is uh, some of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible. It says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. 
And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son mm -hmm. to be the propitiation for, for our sins. And that was the realization that I came to and that all of us came to was this God of the Bible was so much bigger, He was so much better, and He had so much more love and mercy and grace than we ever knew through our religion. And uh, He was all about love, and He showed us that love by sending Jesus to pay the price for us. And He's a good God. He's a good God. He's good to us. A question that I, I that you don't know that I'm going to ask, and any of you, all of you can answer. Do you know, if you fell over dead this minute, that you would go to heaven? And how do you know that? And is that arrogant of you to know it? Hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> uh, first that pops into my head is First uh, John 5. Um, 13, it says, mm -hmm. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You may know that yeah. you have it, right? Yeah. So yeah. we do know. Mm -hmm. If we're in Christ, right. we yeah. do. Yeah. And it's not because we are righteous or super good or goody two-shoes. Mm -hmm. It's based on what Jesus did and what he promised. Mm -hmm. Righteousness by faith. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I want to quote something from C.S. Lewis in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader and then ask a couple of you to express your thoughts about that statement, or all of you. I mean, you don't, it doesn't just have to be two of you. Uh, that's relevant to the polygamist and Mormon culture and encourage them to face and pursue facts rather than feelings. And the quote is this, One of the most cowardly things ordinary people do is to shut their eyes to facts. Comments. Yeah, I mean, I love C.S. Lewis, and um, I think he's a really a great Christian apologist, obviously. And and um, the main thing is, you know, he just um, he he shows in a lot of his stuff how how um, the Word of God holds up to scrutiny, and it really really holds up to scrutiny. And so when you when you have questions about um, what you've believed your entire life, you know, it can be frightening to have to investigate those things. But um, it's cowardly to not look at the truth, you know, if you if you feel that you have discovered something um, that you didn't know before, it's cowardly to not investigate that matter. And um, I know I'm a really intellectual person, so I, I, uh, I analyze things really deeply. And um, um, you know, and I had questions when I when I um, when I first started to question Mormonism, um, and uh, that kind of helped me to to come out of the church. And then I had questions when I started to read the Word of God. But the amazing thing is the the um, the Word of God just holds up to all scrutiny. Um, and um, it's like it says in Romans one twenty that His invisible attributes, um, namely His eternal power and His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. And um, you know it holds up to the scrutiny of of false false doctrines because um, it'll just put them completely to rest and it holds up to any other um, human scrutiny because God's power is just so much above anything we can imagine and um, but the most amazing thing about it for me personally I know is the love of, of Jesus Christ that's that you find there because it just alleviate eliminates all of our doubts and all of our fear and um, it's like in Romans 518 um, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us yeah. and um, and you know we're not basing our salvation on um, on some some something made by the hands of man, but um, just that that peace, that real peace that we get um, through the love of of God that we find in Christ dying for us on the cross and just for us personally and no one else. When you were making the decision to leave the Mormon Church, did you find yourself closing your eyes to facts? I realized that I had 
close my eyes to facts the whole time I was in the church. Yeah, oh, wow. and okay. um, and then when your eyes start to open, you know that's gets it's a scary thing. But you realize you have to step out on that turbulent sea, and you have to be willing to take God's hand and and trust Him that that He's good to 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 um, deliver us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Did you want to? Share? Yeah. Uh, my thoughts are that also that like, you know, the reason why I. Uh, turned away from facts was because I was afraid, you know, because like, um, you know, when you're in the Mormon church or a religion like that, then, you know, you're taught that this is the way it is, this is truth, and you shouldn't question it, and if you start to doubt, then you like wonder, why do I have these doubts, and you start freaking out and, and try to hide them and sweep them under the rug or put them on the shelf, like, you know, all those things, but... Um, you know, you just, because you just don't want to hear it, you're afraid because what if they're right? And what if I'm wrong all, all this time? I remember as a missionary knocking doors and uh, one guy told me that the Book of Mormon had gone over um, like 4,000 changes or something. I'm, I'm like, man, you're lying, whatever. I don't believe that at all. You know, just because of the source, I didn't even look to see if what he said was true, which it, it is true, uh -huh. but... Um, <laughs> But at the time, I just, because I, it was blind faith, I just believed in the Book of Mormon um, and would not listen or see any other facts. Um, you know, but, but uh, the Bible teaches us that um, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And in First John, it says that perfect love casts out all perfect fear. Perfect love, I love that. Yeah, so if we love God mm -hmm. and we trust in, in His truth, then, um, then there's no fear because even like, like Jay was saying, even if we you know, have doubts or if there's any kind of opposition toward the Bible or Jesus or God's existence, um, we know that if it's true, then it's going to stand um, no matter what. And no matter how much prodding or, or you know, investigation, truth will be truth. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about facts versus feelings. I know mm -hmm. this wasn't part of the script either, but mm -hmm. let's talk about facts versus feelings because yeah. this culture is based on feelings mm -hmm. so much of what they yeah. believe for eternal uh, for their eternal life is feelings what, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. facts versus feelings so mm -hmm. how did that affect you if you want to share anything well, yeah well just really quick uh, Jeremiah 17:9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick so who can understand it and you know so if you if you're trusting to know truth based on your feelings or anything in your heart then you're risking deception. So. Because it's self-deceiving, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. In fact, the, the heart is so deceitfully wicked that He has to give us a heart transplant when we That's become true. Christians mm -hmm. and gives us a brand new heart because mm -hmm. the old one can't be trusted. Anybody else want to mm -hmm. share feelings versus facts? Okay. Um, I guess we'll open up the telephone lines now and um, ask our viewers to call in. You're certainly free to call in. Ask our guests any question you want or make comments. We'd love to hear from you. We do have more to talk about, but we'd love to hear what uh, you would like to ask them as well. And our telephone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Uh, give us a call. Let's hear what you have to say. And uh, while we're waiting for the calls to come in, we'll share our ministry message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. 
Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen. And it's uh, a pleasure to have you join us tonight. We're glad you're here. And mm -hmm. we've been talking with the Adams Road Band, uh, four young men who are out telling their stories about how they left the Mormon Church and uh, because they found the truths of Jesus Christ in the Bible and now they are biblical Christians. Uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any questions that you'd like to ask these uh, young men or comments that you'd like to make, please call us. Our phone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Uh, so please give us a call. Uh, and if you don't want to call, you can email us tv at aboutpolygamy.com, whatever you would like to say. Um, I have a question as we're waiting for the calls to come in uh, that, that I'd like you, any of you or all of you to weigh in on. Usually it's with fear and guilt, and we've talked about people leaving before, and, and sometimes with scorn that many polygamists or Mormons listen to our religious doctrines, even Christian doctrine, uh, when they know that we're talking Bible. I've even heard some of them say that our beliefs are from the devil, mm. or that we have a devil, or that we're going to the church of the devil. I've heard it, all of that. They believe that they alone have the truth that's going to exalt them to eternal glory and godhood. Both Mormons and polygamists believe that. Mm. Why do you think you never heard or recognized the truth when you were a Mormon, and did you think that of other people when you were a Mormon? I would say, yeah. I mean, I, I, I as a missionary in particular, I thought um, we basically were taught that there was no, you know, eternal truth outside of our religion, outside of our church, and so we had this idea that we were the only people that had the truth of God, and we needed to share that with others. And uh, as far as your first question, you know, why do you think we never recognize truth? I mean, that's 
Uh, I know Paul says in Corinthians, you know, that the people were blinded by the God of this mm -hmm. world from seeing the light of the gospel. And I think that we were blinded by the deception of Mormonism, by the deception of religion, by the deception of a false gospel. Mm -hmm. And it was only in God's time and in His grace and in His mercy, you know, like it says in John, that no one comes to the Father unless He is called. Unless He draws you know? Him, yeah. yeah and so who's the God drawn. of this world? The God of this world is the devil. Yeah. You know, and it was through the devil that we were blinded to knowing the truth of God's grace and we were uh -huh. following and being led in a false gospel until God called us into His grace. So did, did you connect the dots when, when you run, say, across Christians, like the Christian pastor that, that talked to you? Did you think that he was a pastor of the de devil's church? <laughs> I don't know if I, I would have said it that boldly, um, but... You know, the Book of Mormon says that there is the Church of the Lamb and there is the Church of the Devil. And I think when you break it down doctrinally, I would have to have answered that yes. Uh, in fact, I told him that, that that pastor that shared the gospel with me when I was a missionary, I actually read a scripture from the Book of Mormon uh, that basically says that if you do not believe in the words of the Book of Mormon, then you are condemned. And I read that to him and uh, was kind of surprised after I read it. I don't think I really meant to say that. But, you know, it just goes to show the condemning nature of, you know, the Mormon church mm -hmm. and those who follow the Book of Mormon are the only true religion and everybody outside of that is, mm -hmm. is condemned. Mm -hmm. So, Anybody else? Did you think that other people were of the devil when you were still a Mormon? Yeah, well, uh, we were taught that the spirit of contention is of the devil. And, and like, anytime anybody... Um, you know, countered what we were we were teaching or anything. It always felt contentious in our minds, so we always equated that. Or at least I did. I always equated that with, uh, you know, this is from the devil or something. Whether or not they had a devil, I don't know if I like Mike said. I don't know if I'd gone that far, but at least that they were following the spirit of the devil or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was a spirit of contention. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anybody else want to share? Uh, I should mention too that when I became a born again Christian and I profess my faith to my Mormon leadership, uh, my mission president and my stake president both told me that I was filled with the spirit of the devil and that I was being deceived by Satan. So really? according to them, m me as a born-again Christian, uh, I definitely was seen as somebody who is you know, under the influence of the devil. So, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. and I've I, I mentioned this before on a different show. We, when we become saved, and you all can agree to this, we, we start reading the Bible, we start studying the Word of God. We start going to church. We start being, God gives us a new heart, so we have new new desires, and, mm -hmm. and we're better people. We're better employees. We're, we're better friends and neighbors and spouses, and yet we're full of the devil. <laughs> How does that work? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, Mormons are told to study to strengthen their testimony, mm -hmm. and yet they also have been instructed to stop studying so much because too many people are studying themselves right out of the church. Mm -hmm. So how were you taught to study or cautioned about your study material or habits? Yeah, actually, well, I just noticed uh, when I was at Brigham Young University, I was in a religion class, and uh, I took a New Testament course. But the thing I do remember is that they were very specific and kind of controlling about what, what they focused on in the New Testament and what they didn't focus on. And anything that possibly contradicted Mormonism, there were 10 uh, Mormon general authority quotes explaining that verse for you so that you could understand it in the eyes of the Mormon theology. Mm. And so I just remember thinking that was odd that um, uh, there was just, and same growing up in seminary, it seemed like we would take a lot of verses out of context 
and, and instead mm -hmm. of just reading an entire chapter or, mm -hmm. or seeing what's really going on and reconciling that with other scriptures in the Bible, we would t just take a, a single verse and it would be explained to us. Yeah. Have you noticed since you've been studying the Bible on your own with, with eyes that God has given you understanding, some of those context, out of contextual verses that you used to read and now you apply it to the truth? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything in particular come to your mind? I mean, I know, I know with me, it just, it, I just would be aghast sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, I actually happen to be open, right, right to one. So, uh, uh, one that we used to support the apostasy was Second Thessalonians two, uh, verse uh, three, and it just talks about how there will be a falling away before, um, before the son of lawlessness will come. Mm. Um, obviously, uh, in the context, you understand that it's a future event talking about the Antichrist, the son of lawlessness to be revealed, um, and that there will be some kind of rebellion or falling away among the Christian church, but um, we used that, just that verse, and we never read the part of like, the son of lawlessness or whatever, yeah. um, just that one verse about the falling away, and then said that this is talking about the great apostasy, which shows a need for the restoration. And that's the same with the war in heaven in Revelation. Yeah. The war in heaven's a future event, right. uh, and, and, but they've taken it as a, a eternity past mm -hmm. kind of event when there really, yeah. there really isn't the war that they have been talking about. Um, our telephone lines are open. I know that it's summer evening and you're probably out weeding your garden or something, but if you want to call in, don't wait till five minutes still or you may not be able to get in. Uh, you can give us a call. There is an off-the-air question. Um, it's not quite ready yet, so we'll get to that in a minute. So, uh, did you, again, is there more that any of you want to say on your study habits, uh, studying yourselves right out of the church? Did you hear not to study while you were... Yeah, when Joseph and I were actually missionaries together, yeah. and uh, when we were missionaries, we had a very specific study regimen of what we were supposed to study in the mornings, and that included uh, primarily, you know, Mormon doctrine. And they had uh, a book called Preach My Gospel that we were to study, and then they we had special time set aside just to study the Book of Mormon and, you know, teachings of Mormon prophets, but we never had any specific time dedicated to studying the Bible or the New Testament or anything like that. Um, it was in that time when I was starting to read the Bible that I became obsessed with the Bible. I stopped studying my Mormon scriptures and only studied the New Testament. And as a result of that, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I became a born-again Christian. But as a result of that, uh, my mission president actually forbid the other missionaries in the mission from reading the Bible during their study time. And he oh. actually told Joseph and a couple of other missionaries uh, specifically that they were not allowed to study the Bible uh, during their personal study time. And so you can see there's a obviously a different emphasis on Mormon scripture than on the Bible, even though they claim to believe in the Bible. And when I was growing up in Mormonism, I can count multiple times that the prophet of Mormonism uh, gave a command to read the Book of Mormon as a family, you know, uh -huh. over the course of a year, but never mm -hmm. once did they do that with the Bible, not one mm -hmm. single time. And to this day, I'm not sure that they ever have, and nobody's ever told me, so someone can well, correct me. Well, we keep hearing maybe in phone calls or, or emails or whatever that we believe the Bible, don't say we don't, you know, mm -hmm. and of course that's part of, of being uh, the definition of a Christian is that you, that you believe in the Bible. Right. We had a caller one night quite a while back, and he said, we study the Bible. Every four years <laughs> we study the Bible, and I... I didn't even think at the time that somebody after the show said, you should have told him that we took a whole year just to study the book of Romans. <laughs> you know, and that's why when you study the Bible, you don't get into it once every four years. Yep. You, j you get in there and you dig. I call it my spiritual shovel. And I just get in there and dig and dig mm -hmm. and dig. Okay, so, um, oh, that, whatever that was, it's not on the screen anymore. 
Um, and did you guys want to weigh in on that, on your study habits or what they told you not to do? What happens when a Mormon prophet is wrong, for instance? Polygamy, the blacks, changing the temple ceremony, changing scriptures. They've done that now here recently. Um, how can the prophet be wrong and still be a prophet? That's a great question. Um, what uh, Something that comes to my mind is uh, just recently in General Conference, they uh, quoted a, an older talk. I can't remember exactly which one. I was going to find the exact quote, but I forgot. <laughs> but um, And where it just says it's like 17 points of a true prophet or something like that. And one of the points is that a living prophet is more vital than any of the standard works. And so, mm -hmm. you know, so we, as a, as a missionary, we would always put, uh, the living prophet and whatever he said um, higher than anything else and instead of testing instead of testing you know truth or whatever with the Bible as Christians do um, now we or as Mormon we tested anything with the prophet and whatever he said so it was kind of like he vetoed anything else previously um, which is kind of a scary situation to be in but well it is but that makes the previous prophet wrong right yeah. But we never we never thought of it that way. Yeah. You know, as Mormons, you never think, well, the prophet was wrong. You just think, well, God has revealed something new, and He's continuing to reveal new revelation. That's why they so you know, it's call progressive them, revelation. Yeah, progressive revelation, yeah. exactly. Even if it contradicts what's been revealed in the past, you just accept it. At least mm -hmm. uh, I think we did. We just yeah. you don't ever consider the prophet to be wrong. Yeah. Um, that would be like polygamy, wouldn't it? Where where uh, it's right at some point and then it's wrong at some point and then when they live it again it's going to be right again mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. right back yeah. forth back and so the living prophet gets to be their fall guy so to speak yeah. Right. Yeah, or, right. or, exactly. or progressive revelation mm -hmm. well again it just shows that the, the God who's supposedly revealing this to them is obviously a different God than the biblical God because coming back to our discussion earlier the biblical God there is no variation of change with him mm -hmm. he's the same yesterday today and forever mm -hmm. and he does not lie right and so you know when when he says something about polygamy or or that an overseer of the of the Christian church should be the husband of one wife that's the way it is mm-hmm mm -hmm. it's not gonna change yeah exactly okay we have a call from Grand Junction, Colorado. Hmm. Uh, that is Jamie calling. Hello, Jamie. Yes, this is Jamie. Yes, you're on the air. What's your question? Well, uh, first of all, I wanted to thank you for what you're doing, Doris, and thank the courageous young men that are sitting there. I'm watching you writing your beautiful faces. <laughs> uh, I think that the comment uh, that they made about studying themselves out of the church I want to share just one scripture that was an eye-opener for me, and I've seen it all my life, Isaiah 43, and they know the one I'm talking about. He says, I am he, before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me, I even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior, because as you know, the teachings of the church the Latter-day Saint Church are teaching that everyone is in the process of becoming a god uh, of another planet someday. And this is so, I, I know that there are Mormons watching this show tonight, and I feel so strongly to share this testimony because I've been a Mormon. I've loved the church. I love the people. But it just isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray if someone's listening that they will 
listen up to these testimonies of the people that know and that have left the church. You can do it with love, but you need to do it and not have any fear. I thank you for this opportunity to share my testimony. And uh, if they could share just a couple of things about some of the adversarial things that have happened to them, uh, having done and made this great move of uh, courage to leave the church and become a true Christian with the true God. Thanks a lot, Doris. Thank you for calling, Jamie. We appreciate your call. You bet. Uh, bye. She wanted you to share some of adversarial events since you've, uh, when you were making your um, transition. And somebody want to share something? Well, sure. Um, uh, my wife and I um, left the Mormon Church, and uh, it was a hard thing to confront her parents, who are, are strong in the Mormon faith, and we love them to death and understand from our point of view why they reacted the way they did. Mm -hmm. But it was a very hard and scary thing from our point of view to confront them. In fact, we uh, waited longer than we should have. You know, uh, it talks about the Jews in John 12, that many of them didn't confess it because they were afraid of the Pharisees and mm -hmm. they didn't want to be put out of, yeah. put out of the synagogue. Yeah. The same was with me, you know, so scared I was of my wife's parents. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that was a big adversarial thing for me just to overcome the fact that I was fearing men more than God. Uh-huh, mm -hmm. okay. Anybody else want to have something to share? Um, yeah, and for me, uh, the biggest thing, I, I didn't like lose like scholarships or anything like these guys. I probably wouldn't have made it into college. So, But the, <laughs> but the relationships were really hard for me to lose. Um, I got engaged to a Mormon girl right after my mission. Um, and then I, I was the first of, of, uh, our, of the six kids. Uh, first of four boys to go on a mission, so a lot of it was expected of me. And um, and so then when I became a Christian and left Mormonism, then um, I knew that I was possibly losing those relationships, which I did. Um, and uh, But God, you know, gave me strength to help me through that. Um, but I remember uh, my stepdad, when I told him, you know, and, and uh, I sent an email kind of showing my new beliefs and stuff with all my family members, and, um, and my stepdad, you know, like accused me of, fornication like it had to have been a sin of why mm -hmm. I was leaving or whatever and <laughs> and um, you know uh, and just um, like saying that I was following the devil and things like that um, you know and and then my mom she even she even told me that I used to be her favorite son <laughs> so that's <laughs> oh pretty harsh goodness. to hear you know but Ooh. you know but you know it just just to show that you know this is how personal uh, Mormon families you know are affected when somebody leaves and um, pretty you know, devastating huh? yeah and without a personal relationship with Jesus that would have crushed me you know mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have had anything to turn to mm -hmm. um, and so definitely encourage any of the viewers if you're gonna leave to to grab onto Jesus because he's the only one that can give you that strength so. okay thank you okay we have Wanda calling from West Jordan hello Wanda yeah Wanda, you're on the air. What's your question? I just want to uh, tell the young man they've been to our church before, and I, the awesome ministers of God, I talk to all of them when they're at the church, and I give the one recording that you had there that day. I give it to my oldest son, and he is listening to it. Mm, His awesome. name's Daryl. And... I just want to tell the guys they're awesome and keep up the good work. 
Okay. Well, thank you for your encouragement, Wanda. Thank you. Thanks, Wanda. Thanks. Okay. So your your music does work, doesn't it? People can really relate to the music, and sometimes it touches them very deeply. Mm -hmm. Spiritual music is can be very spiritually helpful. Okay. We have on line two Sam calling from Eagle Mountain. Hello, Sam. Hi. Hello. You're on the air. Oh, first of all, I'd like to say I like your show. Thank you. Yeah, I like the message you're sending. Um, you know, I was just wondering if most Mormons are aware of the fact that Joseph Smith shot three people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about it on the show before, so, you know, and it was a self-defense as they was barging into the jail, but he did. He took down uh, some people and with his gun when, uh, when the, they stormed the jail. Because just like I've talked to a lot of Mormons, and every time I ask somebody, they have no idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't until I became a Christian and started doing some studying. I had no idea. I thought Joseph Smith went to his death like a lamb to a slaughter. <laughs> That's exactly what I believed. Yeah. yeah, most people think he was a martyr, but see, yeah. he went down in a gun battle. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly right. He did. And it was, it was not... Uh, for for righteous living either that, that he was in jail <laughs> it was it's just something that made me wonder you know because i asked people and nobody knows yeah no it's not very well known and and granted, like, granted I mean, you should know the truth you know well that that's one of the dangers of this culture is uh, that they they want you to keep from they want to keep you in their religion but they don't want to do it truthfully and I think that mm -hmm. would you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and I talked to one guy at my work, and um, he was, you know, vaguely aware of it. And um, he told me, well, if they told everybody that, he said it might be, make people not want to, you know, make drive people away from the religion. And I go, well, I said, if, he said you should know the truth. Yeah, you should know Everyone the truth. You should know the, the truth. truth. Set you free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. That's a good point. And if yeah, they if we look know into the truth. history, the truth can stand up for itself. We don't need to worry about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, like if you know the truth and then you're still okay with that, then, you know, great. You know, then you just move forward then. Yeah, at least you know. But if you know the truth and it causes you to lose, lose faith, then, you know. Well, the thing is, truth doesn't change. Uh, the, the, we may, our understanding of truth may change as our life goes on, uh, but truth itself that never changes. It remains the mm -hmm. same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm a Christian. You know, I believe in Jesus Christ. Congratulations. Jesus Christ is, is, is God as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. As far as he's concerned, he's God, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we've gone. Thank you for your call. Thanks for calling and sharing. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh -huh. Take care. You Take too. Care. Bye. Uh, what about, what about you, you folks in, in your knowledge of Joseph Smith? Did you know that he was shot and, and shot... Oh, no, I'd always heard, gone like a lamb to the slaughter. I thought that he went yeah. to Carthage jail and that, you know, a mob broke in and killed him in cold blood. I, that's, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's yeah. what I always heard. I knew he was a polygamist, unlike a lot of people. Um, a lot of, um, I think in, in Utah, it actually gets um, kind of swept under the rug more. I definitely knew, because I'm from Florida, I knew, I knew that he was a polygamist, and I knew that that was a big part of the early church history, um, mm -hmm. but uh, I didn't know that he, that he um, retaliated in violence at all when he was Did you martyred. know how many wives he had? You knew he was no, a polygamist. I didn't have Did any you know idea. how polygamist how he was? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no numbers. <laughs> I think the three of us didn't even know that he was a polygamist. Yeah. Uh, didn't I didn't know. No. And I, I didn't hear that actually until after I left Mormonism. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, We still get emails uh, and people or phone calls from people who deny that he was a polygamist that were just making it up. So there's still Mm -hmm. that that willing blindness, you know, Mm -hmm. those who shut their eyes to the facts that's still Mm -hmm. going on and they won't they won't research Mm -hmm. what it is. Okay, Uh, we have a call coming from Jason in West Jordan. Hello, Jason. Yes. Yes, you're on the air, Jason. Uh, I just want to ask the people uh, that they went on their mission if they feel like they wasted their time. If they feel like they wasted their time? Yeah, if it was wasted time. And what are they doing about the people who they converted? Good question. Okay. Uh, that, that is a good question. Um, as far as the first question, I do not feel like I wasted my time because it was on my two-year mission that I became a Christian. So that was... I know this is a coined phrase of Mormonism. That was the best two years for me (laughs) (laughs) because I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, As far as the converts, that is definitely a sensitive subject for me and I think for all of us because we did bring people into Mormonism and a lot of times it was our uh, zealousness and and passion for Mormonism that brought people in and and our relationship with them that caused them to join Mormonism. Uh, For me in particular, there's one family that... um, that we met and baptized that are still Mormon. They, they live in Florida where we live. I have a relationship with them. I've shared the gospel with them. Uh, unfortunately, they still are in the Mormon church, and I just pray with them with all my heart. But I also have faith in God, knowing that you know I plant the seed. Someone else might water it, but it's God and God alone who does the growth. And mm-hmm. so I uh, leave it in God's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and He can take care of that. Yeah. He can yeah. work through it. Anybody else? Did you waste your time on your mission? Well, in a sense, yes, because <laughs> I was following uh, the wrong God, and I, was, I had a zeal towards God, but it wasn't according to knowledge. And so I would say, you know, obviously God drew me to himself in his own time. But looking back, uh, probably most of the works I did in that time, most of the things that I, uh, all the time that I spent there was, was not towards the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I, I just give God all the glory and 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 thank him that now I'm no longer where I was. So, mm-hmm. uh, Well, you know, we were all somewhere, something, wasting our time before we became Christians, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I, after I left the polygamy group, it took 25 years for me to turn to, to trust God. Mm-hmm. I, I was one of those God-haters after I left. So I spent those 25 years. But was it a waste of time? Hopefully God has used some of my experiences to help redeem some of the time that was wasted. Did anybody else want to share on your time wasted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, like uh, Ephesians says, that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, you know, before um, accepting Jesus. So, uh, you know, uh, like you said, in that sense, I guess it was a waste of time. But I feel like um, God brought me through that experience. So now, not only can I, do I have compassion and mercy for the Mormon people and a desire to reach out to them in love, but also kind of the training that we got as missionaries, now we're kind of, we can boldly share what we believe to complete strangers, mm-hmm. go right up to somebody and just share Jesus with them now. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of backfired mm-hmm. on the Mormon church a little bit there, so. Well, thank um, you so much. We're at the end of our show. Thank you all for sharing and for coming and, and, and we just ask for God's blessing on the rest of your tour. You know, about the cross of Jesus Christ, Paul the Apostle wrote in the New Testament the following statement that is both powerful and life-changing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, he said, 
When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Is your faith resting on men's wisdom or on God's power? And the Bible says that the cross of Jesus Christ is God's power. Is your focus on the cross of Jesus Christ? Is that the message that you hear every Sunday at your church? Or do you ever hear that message at your church at all? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There is no other message that has the power to save a human soul from perishing. Jesus said we are all already condemned and the only way to cross over from condemnation to eternal life is through the cross of Jesus Christ. No works can do it or add to it. Is your faith resting on Joseph Smith or your work for your church or your celestial marriage? If so, it's on the wrong thing. Paul said that he determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified because the cross is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And the only message that counts, of course, is the cross. The only message that can save is the blood of Jesus Christ shed for our sins. Jesus Christ and Him crucified is the center of Christianity and it's the center of eternal life. When you add to that, it's just like adding poison to your food. It will end in eternal death. But the Bible says choose life and that life comes only through the gift that comes when we trust Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.